Welcome back to episode 24 of the Punting Fantasy Podcast. Good evening to all the listeners. Uh, I'm joined once again by Mitch and Tom, but we've got our commissioner of the Punting Fantasy League, uh, Commissioner Schmidt, joining us tonight. Schmidty, how you doing? Good moment. How are we, boys? Good, mate. Good to have you on board. You on since you, since you uh, were named champion of the Punting Group League, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, Obviously, a, a great season for the Chutney boys, and um, we enjoyed our end-of-season trip as well. So, no, it was, it was good going, and the boys are going to go back-to-back next year, I've heard. And uh, not the only ring for you recently, Kev. I'm sure you heard Weddo's really heartfelt, drunken compliments on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, Weddo and boys. Um, I actually, I've fallen a couple of episodes behind, so I took this afternoon at work, was a bit less productive, but I listened to the last two podcasts you guys recorded. So I'm up to speed with all things. Um, and actually, while we're on that topic, I hate to hijack the podcast, but I've actually got a comment for each of you guys based on the last two podcasts I listened to. So well, I've got one for you individually, and then I've got one, not a bone to pick, but a comment to you guys collectively. So um, who wants to start? I'll start with you, Weddy. Um So the last podcast, I believe, was recorded the night after State of Origin. Is that is that correct? Because you guys were referencing State of Origin that happened last night. Yeah. Um, And in your last segment, I believe you were talking about popcorn boxes. And, you know, I agreed completely with everything you said. Like, that was a great random thought. And I'm a huge popcorn fan as well. But you were talking about going to the movies last night in that episode. So can I just... Confirm. I know you're not a huge NRL fan, but were you at the cinema's State of Origin night? And if so, can you talk me through it? Like, were you there on a date? Were you there with your brother, like your dad? What? Talk me through the occasion and um, can you confirm that? Yeah, so we were there that evening and, as you mentioned, could not give less of a shit about rugby league and State of Origin. Um, we went as a family. The older brother was up from Melbourne, so... Nice little family dinner, rolled into watching the second Top Gun on that Wednesday night um, instead of, yeah, watching State of Origin, which, like I said, could not give two shits off. But to be fair, we left the Reading Cinemas at Newmarket, heard a massive roar inside the Newey and decided to pop in and watch the last 15 minutes and have a skewy in there. So um, maybe I am interested. No, no, fair enough. I recorded the podcast and I didn't even pick up on that. No, no, all good. It was just something that um, came to my mind when I was listening. Um, we'll move on to you, uh, Dollar. So this isn't this isn't having a go at all. It's just a genuine topic of discussion. Um, so in my opinion, I think this might have been two episodes ago, um, Joel Embiid should have been in the All-NBA first team. But obviously that was a contentious thing. Like if they needed to pick five positions and Jokic was the MVP and he needed to be in the first team. I know that you're a huge fan of basketball and the NBA and generally the status quo in those things, but do you have an issue with the all-rookie team not being picked by position? And if not, why not? Well, I think it's inconsistent. I think if you're going to have one team picked by positions, they should all be picked by positions. In saying that, I can understand why they don't because for all-NBA, you're picking from the whole league for or rookie teams you're picking from, you know, 25 blokes maybe. So I can understand why they do that. But they should just scrap the positions for all of them. 
like you said, Embiid should have been on the first team. It's ridiculous that you can have a season like he had and finish on All-NBA second team after being second MVP. So scrap the whole lot, I reckon, and just pick your best players. Yeah, I, I thought your position was that he shouldn't have been in it. So I apologise for that. I, I think that you've got to... Like, my opinion is that they need to have positions, but they should be looser with them. Like, in fantasy, you know how Embiid and Jokic can be power forward slash centres? It should be a bit more like that, I reckon. And then you can pick That's them for like two positions. It's because you can vote for those guys as a forward. And then, but you only get you only get picked at the position that you get the most votes at. So Embiid might have got, I'm not sure what the actual voting was, but Embiid might have got 30 first place votes as a forward. And in those teams, Jokic was voted the first team center. And then he might have got 40 first place votes as a center. So they don't take his 40 votes and stack yeah. it up against the rest of the, which is ridiculous. It should just be like, yeah, I think the process yeah. is silly, like you said, but. So if you were just a bit looser with it, it pretty much would have been like Embiid for Tatum and the all-rookie team would have been the same, I reckon. But anyway, um, and then moving on to you, Mitchie. Breakfast wraps. <laughs> Huge yes. And then you were dribbling about like the texture of the soft wrap on the hard bacon and something about breaking your teeth. And I was like, I don't know what kind of bacon you're eating when you're breaking your teeth. But the soft wrap, like you can toast the wrap, like you can put it together and the Guzman breakfast burrito is also unbelievable. So talk me through that. Oh, Kev, it's just my personal taste. There's not really much I can, I can do off that. But I don't like it. So I brought it to my segment and it did get it did get shot down. Oh, like I the two of these blokes did disagree with me. So I'm happy to cop that on the chin and keep moving forward. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then finally, the collective comment I've got for you guys, obviously doing a great job with this podcast and I love listening every week, but the, um, the favourite characters from, like, admittedly, I missed the Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, craze. I didn't pick up on that one. And then the Modern Family, that's, that's a show that I'll watch, like, if I'm on a long-haul flight or something. Um, <laughs> but, like, I couldn't give two shits who you like more out of Sally and Jimmy can you just pop it? But I like that you guys are doing that on your episodes. Like, we get to know you better or whatever. Just pop it on the end of your podcast so I don't need to manipulate it so I can skip it to get to the random thoughts. Just pop it on the end. I've got some advice for you, Kev. You know, if you go into the like the description of the podcast, I've actually timestamped each segment for that reason. So you can just, once you get to that that draft, you can just jump into the description. Yeah, so fuck off. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Point taken. All right. <laughs> you. Sorry, Weddy. Nah, that's all right. Appreciate you bringing Kev's random thoughts into the start of our podcast as well. So it was nice of Kev to join us. We'll be moving on with the rest of the podcast. <laughs> as you mentioned, the rest of the podcast. Uh, we'll chat through some NBA, um, go through a little bit of cricket, plenty of happening over in Sri Lanka as we speak. Um, we'll go into our around the world chat, plenty discuss in there before going into... Schmidt's start bench cut, which we did, I believe, last time you were on the podcast, uh, Commissioner Schmidt, and then we'll finish off with uh, a couple of the Rats random thoughts or um, some would-you-rathers, which uh, will be interesting to get into. Starting off with our NBA chat, and now since the last time that we've spoken, a uh, fair bit of... 
change in the uh, whoever's on whoever's sitting on top in that space. Obviously, the Warriors have have taken the last two games to lead three to two heading into Game Six in Boston. Um, gents, what have you made of the last couple of games? G- G- GWS. Golden State obviously starting to take over. Um, Steph Curry obviously had a monster game in, in game four. Um, what have you made of it? The Warriors have been great, don't get me wrong, but I think more of it comes down to the Celtics have just been terrible. Um, the last two fourth quarters they've played have just been absolutely horrendous. Like to, to score three points in six minutes of basketball on your home floor Um it's just ridiculous. And as I said, the Warriors have been good, but the amount of times that guys are just... Marcus Smart is a serially bad for it, like just chucking the ball into dangerous areas or, you know, mishandling. Jalen Brown does it all the time. Just that, so many unforced errors. Um, and little, little like we talked about them all throughout the finals, little hustle and effort categories like offensive rebounding. Um, they just go through patches where they just stop doing stuff. It's the same on the offensive side of the ball where they um, just stop moving. You know, and they settle for Tatum get to his spot at the elbow and see what he can do. Um, so I think I think the Celtics have been pretty poor the last two. Um, I reckon they've blown blown a couple of games that they really could have won. Obviously, that game five was there for them. Uh, sorry, game four was there for them, and they they shut the bed in the back end of that uh, that last quarter. And then same deal in game five. Um, that one was there for them. The Warriors weren't playing all that well. Steph Curry obviously did make a three pointer for the first time in his playoff career. Um, and, and the Celtics couldn't get the job done. So, yeah, big swing. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I think it's hard. I can find it hard to see the Warriors losing from here. Um, but pretty disappointed with, with the way the Celtics have gone about things the last couple of games. You talk about Marcus Smart, Tom. Marcus Smart's not the reason they're here. Jason Tatum needs to step up. He's been shit. I think he's hurt. I reckon we're going to get some news after the finals that he's got something going on with that shoulder. I reckon, like, even some of the air balls, he seems to be pushing a lot of shots across the like across the face of the rim, like he's missing a lot to the right or short. I reckon he's hurt, um, which I mean, obviously no excuse. Everyone's banged up this time of the of the season, but yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been great. Um, but in saying that, Brown also hasn't been like he's been good in spurts, but he's also been really poor for some spurts. Like the amount of times they've needed a bucket down the stretch of games, and he's fucking gone across the ball over and just missed his left hand completely and just dribbled it to Gary Payton or someone like that. Like, it just shouldn't happen in finals games. He's got one of the worst handles for, like, a budding superstar that I've seen. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm obviously barracking for the Warriors in this series. And when he, like, he's a great scorer. But he just, like, there's been, I don't know, I reckon three games where he's turned the ball over back-to-back possessions in the fourth quarter and stuff. Like, it's just horrendous from him. And on Tatum, like, I don't know, it's probably not talked about enough in the... um, in the narrative of this series that um, the Celtics have had a pretty tough run compared to the Warriors to get here. And, you know, they've got Horford. He's an older bloke. Williams is sort of battling with his body all season and all career to this point. Um, they're probably pretty sore in general. So um, I don't I don't think either team has played particularly well, to be honest, but you've got to give credit to both defences. Um and yeah, hopefully the boys get it done in Game Six. Clay, Game Six, Clay, as I predicted pre pre series. Gents, I obviously didn't catch much of Game Five, but I think one of the bigger talking points, I guess, from the Golden State point, Andrew Wiggins, I think, has been absolutely massive for them. Um, obviously, they they acquired him through the D'Angelo Russell trade. How how much of an 
impact is he having on them and through the finals? Well, he was he was the best player on the court in that last game. So, like Brandy said, Steph didn't have a going, and he was pretty much an offense to himself. Um, yeah, I mean, and a lot we did talk about Tatum being shit, but Wiggins is playing some pretty solid defense on him as well. So I don't know. He, yeah, he's been good. He's probably been their second best player, but I mean. None of it happens without Steph, obviously. But, yeah. Uh, well, I also feel like with the Wiggins, there is, a, like, a lot of people weren't expecting much or this much from him. So when he gives you this much, it's like you get that, I don't know, it's like an overpowering sense of his impact. Like narrative. It's all narrative. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, even guys like Clay and Poole, we've kind of come to expect that, at some point, they're going to go off. Whereas Wiggins is like this guy where they're near unbeatable when he goes off. But we're not expecting him to go off at the same time. To your point, that's a good thing you bring up. It's also been like Wiggins has been, he's been slammed throughout a lot of his career for maybe not being the hardest worker or not putting that much effort. Um, you know, good stats, bad team kind of guy. He's making a lot of stuff happen. Like, like I talked about before, hustle plays, like he's getting in on the offensive glass and, you know, getting little tip-ins and pullbacks and getting his hands in there on the defensive end. He's making a lot of stuff happen out of, you know, hustle and effort plays, which is probably not something you've come to expect, like you mentioned, from a guy like Andrew Wiggins. So I think that's been a massive difference between the two teams. I think, you know, the Warriors are getting their hands a bit more dirty than what the Celtics are at times. And um, and it's it's sort of played out pretty big in terms of the, the overall way the series is going, I think. Yeah, I think coming into the series, there was a danger that, well, from a Warriors perspective, that they would have, you know, Curry and Tatum would sort of cancel each other out as the best players on the court. And then the Celtics could easily have had three of the best four players in the series. But I think Wiggins has stepped up and and Clay and Poole have had their moments as well. Like Poole's, Poole might only be having like 10 points or something in a game, but high impact threes, which can really change the momentum of the game. Um, so I think, you know, instead of having three of the best four players on the court for Boston, the Warriors have probably had, yeah, like Wiggins has been in that top four, I reckon, with Brown, Tatum and um, and Curry. I don't think Tatum has been the best Celtic. Who has? I think Brown's been better. I think Tatum's been the best Celtic. I think Tatum as well. Brown is yeah. getting more attention, obviously, but... He's shooting. He's shooting like thirty-seven percent from the field. Yeah. he's like he's terrible around. He's been terrible around the rim. Like he's been hitting his threes pretty well. I don't know the numbers, but he seems he's like he's playing like a. I don't know. You just want him taking jump shots. If he's, I see another mid-range air ball jumper from him, I will erupt. He he's shooting twenty-seven percent from inside the three-point line. Whether that's at the rim or you know, mid-range jumpers. That's the number from... What about threes? Yeah, he's shooting really well from three, over 40%. Tatum's 48% from deep, 37 from the field. Brown, not much better, 40% from the floor, 30% from deep. Yeah, right. I thought he was better than that. But I suppose Brown, before last game's numbers, I think he was around 45. He just He's had some really good spurts, but I think that's the next step for him. Like He, he can really turn it on for... Like there was one game, Mitch, where he had a multi on him of 30, I think, and that was the game where he had, what, 20 in the first quarter or something, 17 in the first quarter or something, and finished the game with, like, 22 or 24. 
No, he had, he had 24 with nine minutes left in the third quarter and finished the game with 27. He just goes missing for, for periods at times. And, I mean, hats off to the Warriors for the way they play defence. Kind of makes it a bit difficult, but... Yeah, I don't think any Celtic has been consistent. Like, to your point, I don't think any Celtic has been consistently the best player on the floor, which is what you need if you're going to win a final series. And Steph, like Steph, on the other hand, has obviously been that guy for the Warriors. He's been by far the best player in this series. So, And just to finalise, obviously, we, we touched on the top players. Um, pretty safe bet. Having said, Curry's probably going to be taking out uh, finals MVP should Golden State go on to win. Yeah. Should we just do – who who do we think the top five players <laughs> – in this series have been, do you think Wigan slots in at three above Brown or Tatum, whichever way you swing? I'd say he goes above Brown for mine. Mm, nah, I'll probably have him at four. I think I would go Steph, Tatum, Brown, Wiggins. Clay? Nah. He's been good. good. Same thing. Spits and spurts, but like, he is, like he's not, he's not who, he, who, he, who he used to be. I think we got to stop expecting that He's had good games in three of the five games. Yeah, I mean, I think Wiggins has been better than, than Clay throughout the entirety of the series. It's interesting, though. You talk about impact, and obviously uh, Wiggins' impact has been pretty good. Um, but, like, I think Clay, just his gravity on the floor has opened up so many things for that team since he's come back. You talk about impact. Like, Clay doesn't really need to be shooting the lights out to be impactful, especially in the last few games when he's actually played some decent defence as well. Um, he's just got so much gravity on the floor. And just between him and Steph, it just makes it so easy. Not so easy. That's probably discrediting Wiggins, but it, like, it just gives Wiggins so much space to operate. And I think that's more what it is while we're seeing this, is that he's got so much space. It's a bit different to playing around Carl Anthony Towns and fucking Jeff Teague. Yeah. yeah, I know that numbers aren't everything, but I'm just looking at the stats now. So Steph, 31 a game, well ahead. Wiggins, 18 and 9, a steal on a block. Clay, 18 and a steal. Pools next at 13, and all the percentages are pretty similar. Wiggins has been pretty pretty bad from long distance, 25%. So I think it's a toss-up. Like, like to the, back to your point before, Mitch, like no one's really stood out consistently as a that next guy, I think, so... Beautiful. Can't wait to see that series finish off. In the world of cricket, Australia obviously currently touring Sri Lanka in a T20 and ODI series. Um, we saw Australia take out the T20 series 2-1. Um, and we've also seen overnight Australia take game one. Tom, do you give a fuck about this series? Nah, this is who cares, Cup. Hey, we... do you give a fuck about this series? Sorry? Do you give a fuck about this series? No. If we don't give a fuck, get it off my notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wanted to like make fun of how fucking meaning, meaningless this cricket is that we're playing at the moment. That's why I put it in. The England-New Zealand Test Series is much more interesting than the fucking ODI series versus Sri Lanka. Why don't we talk about that then, Tom? <laughs> We can talk about that fucking big Johnny. <laughs> Who? Johnny Bairstow. Johnny Bairstow doing an absolute jobbington on the Kiwis last night. Um, why? Why do you like that team more than New Zealand? 
I don't like it more than New Zealand. I hate the English cricket team, but they pretty phenomenal chase. Three hundred on a day five wicket in fifty overs. I think yeah, Bearstow had a hundred and Stokes had seventy five not out off fifty balls or something. Bearstow got one hundred and thirty six off ninety two rocks. I think which is ending, which is pretty phenomenal. Like Joe Root fails again in the pressure <laughs> every time. While we are talking about Joe Root, Tom, where do you rank him in the world right now? And in terms of like all time, like where do you think he's getting up? Because how many guys have scored 10,000 test runs? Wouldn't no, be many. He's the second Englishman behind Alistair Cook. Probably yeah. like late teens, I reckon. Like, <clears throat> yeah, around that number. In terms of players right now, he's number one and it's not close. How can you say it's not close? Because he scored 10 test hundreds in 18 months. Yeah, England plays so much more test cricket than any other country. Like, you oh, can't yeah. just use the quantum hundreds. of hundreds as the only, like, deciding factor because they play so much more test cricket. Like, I agree. He's probably number one test batsman in the world at the moment just based on form. But you can't – I don't know about it's not close. Like, I I'd still – I'd have other people ahead of him if I was picking a team right now. Okay, who would you have? I'd pick Kane Williamson ahead of Joe Root, I reckon. And I'd, I'd pick Steve Smith ahead of Joe Root as well. I mean, I would in my team as well. I'm just on form. I don't, I don't think you touch Joe, anyone's touching Joe Root at the moment. You think, he's, you think he's the best by a country mile, but you're not going to pick him in your team? No. Oh. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that straight. No, I'm not even going to. It is like it is an interesting one. It's like the, it's the same as James Anderson. Like that, Pommy's carrying on about how he's the best fast bowler in of all time. Go on, Tom. Have you got have you got an yeah, opinion? I've got some stats. Okay. Righto, twenty twenty one, Kev. Joe Root, most runs one thousand seven hundred and eight. Want to have a guess how many number two Rohit Sharma scored? No, but that that goes back to my point. England plays so many more <laughs> tests than any other country. Okay, so. 1,708 runs in 29 innings. Want to have a guess how many Rohit Sharma scored and how many innings he played? <clears throat> no, don't care. Rohit Sharma's not in my top 10. <laughs> 106 runs in 21 innings. Pujara, 702 runs in 26 innings. So that means that Rohit Sharma's in better form than Joe Root. He's played eight less innings for 100 less runs. Is that right? It was only three less innings, wasn't it? For 800 less runs. Oh, how many runs did you say Joe Root had scored? 1,700. He's double oh, Rohit Sharma. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's going well. There's no doubt he's very good against 135-kilometre bowling in England oh, and in most countries. But get Ryan so Harris so against him in Australia and he'll nick off to second slip. Like that's his so little so dink down to third man doesn't work in Australia, probably against South Africa either in South Africa. Um, but there's no doubt he's a very good player. But to, to Muggsy's original question... Where is he now? Like you can't really dispute the stats. He'd be right up there. He's probably in the. He's probably number one on form, and all time he's unranked. <laughs> oh, would he be? Would you have like say without thinking that of the players who have scored ten thousand Test runs that he'd be one of your last picked? Oh, one of yeah, definitely one of. Okay, so how many how many guys did you say you reckon have scored ten thousand Test runs? I don't know off the top of my head, but I'd say it'd be just under 20. 14 is what I can count here. 
<coughs> and yeah, he would be at the bottom of my list. You've got Tendulkar, Ponting, Callis, Dravid, Cook, Sankara, Lara, Chanderpaul, Jay Wardner, Border, War, Root, Sonny Gavaskar, and Eunice Khan. Eunice so Khan, say, last picked. Nah, Chanderpaul is the last picked on that list. I was going to say Chanderpaul. No, nah, Joe Root is the last picked on that list. No, he's not. But he's so stiff. Who, wait, so who did you say he should be above? <laughs> the only the only other one that I, I could cop is Alistair Cook. Eunice Khan and, and Jay Wardner are the bottom of that list. Jay Wardner? Sorry, not Jay Wardner. Um, Chanderpaul. Chanderpaul, yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. I'd I'd be taking those two ahead of Joe Root. But the thing about Joe Root is that he's going to end up in the top, like, I don't know, probably the oh. top six or something like that um, by the end of his career. And he's going to go down as, yeah, one of the greats. But, yeah, to, to your point, Mitch, I think it'll be similar in the similar vein to someone like James Anderson, who, like, no doubt has had an amazing career. And to get that many wickets to play for that long is awesome. But... I, I'm not going to cop the argument that he's a better bowler than Glenn McGrath or that Root is going to be a better batter than someone lower on the list like Alan Border or Brian Lara. But Root will end up with more test runs than him. Definitely not better than those guys. Chanderpaul and uh, Eunice Khan, I think he's better than them. Eunice Khan played a lot of cricket. In, like I'd love to see his breakdown by country. Um, I've, got it, I've got it right here. He scored a lot of double hundreds against like, us <laughs> in Pakistan. Averages 56, 57 against Australia. But what in Australia? Um, averages 50 in Australia. What about in. Well, then you're arguing against yourself because I was originally saying that he's better than Joe Root. <laughs> Go England. In England, 50. <laughs> All right. South Africa. 32, West Indies, 22. What else has he got here? 43 in New Zealand. It's not actually as bad as what I thought, but still. Tell you what, not many people average 50-plus in Australia, external no. to Australians. Um, Joe Root's played 14 test matches in Australia, I believe. Do you know how many hundreds he's got, Tom? Uh, I don't think he's got any in Australia, has he? No, he doesn't. Yeah, he's never quite cracked in Australia, old, old Joe, but... He'd only average mid to high 30s, wouldn't he, in Australia? 31 in Australia. Sorry, that's first Australia. Average is 36 in Australia. To be fair, like that last series for him was pretty tough. In his like in his prime, really, and just had these goobers all around him. I feel like it does make it pretty like it makes it even harder on top of how hard it is. Like no Englishman really does well over here. Who'd be the best Englishman in the last 20 years in Australia? KP Peterson? Peterson, yeah. Yeah. Alistair Cook and Jonathan Trott had a pretty good run there for a bit. <laughs> Alistair Cook's made double hundred. Yeah. But even again, that was against Mitchell Johnson not being able to land him on the pitch and then a bunch of 135 guys. Yeah, that was a pretty bad team. But yeah, but like we're talking about, yeah, I agree that the rest of the batting or the rest of your team really makes an impact on how hard batting is. Like Adam Gilchrist wouldn't have been able to bat the way he did without having like the six blokes above him, the best spinner ever and one of the best fast bowlers ever. But like we're talking about Chanderpaul. He didn't have a great team for most of his career. He didn't play against great teams for a lot of his career either. Like I feel like in those... Sorry? Did Joe Root? Yeah. But I feel like even Joe Root, like for an Englishman, like every 
they play Australia every two years, and I think we like to hold ourselves in the top two of cricketing nations. Yeah, averages 39 against Australia and averages 60 against India, which is pretty impressive in itself. What about in India? In India, he averages 50. Yeah, he's, he's, good, in, he's good in country, India. Except for three of them. I think it's just like he's played 119 matches. I don't know how old he is. He's probably like 31. 31. So he's going to end up playing like something like 160 or 170 test matches. Matthew Hayden played 100, didn't he? he played <laughs> he 100. He had to rack up 300. He played 103 in like 15, 16 years. So like... When we're just talking about wickets and runs, it's not it's not a fair debate, I don't reckon. They play so much test cricket. Beautiful. Uh, well, conscious of time, um, that, uh, that little cricket segment, which kicked off to be a little jab at who cares cup over in Sri Lanka, has turned into a very heated discussion, which we have on this <laughs> podcast. So um, glad you raised that. We'll, uh, we'll move on to our Around the World segment. Kicking off with our Around the World segment, we'll, uh, we'll start right here in Australia with some NRL chat. Now, obviously with Origin going on at the moment, there are some weird NRL eligibility situations going on at different clubs at the moment. Mitch, can you talk more to those? Yeah, so it's come out today that Daniel Tupo and Katoni Staggs, who are obviously named in the Origin, named and played in Origin 1 for New South Wales, are electing to play for Tonga. So they're out of selection <laughs> for New South Wales in Origin 2. Just a really weird... Um, that was the only reason I put this story in. I can't say I'm really across it, but I don't understand how you can play Origin 1. Who, who was it last year? Was it um, Mulatalo? He was going to play for yeah. the Maroons and then couldn't? Yeah, but that, that's, a different, that's a different one altogether. He kind of got stitched up. Um, he got named and then pulled out by the NRL right? because there was cloudiness over el- eligibility. Um, but yeah, uh, Stags and Tupo have chosen right to go. So now that leaves with Latrell, like Latrell's not going to get a game in before Origin two. So I doubt they pick him. Your boy Zach Lomax. Oh, they shouldn't pick him. I'm <laughs> off. I'm off him. <laughs> the last few weeks he's been throwing balls over the sideline and blaming the winger. But anyway, that's a different topic. Um, yeah, so. I suppose that means Sawali or the Fox. I would say the Fox down down one game probably comes in as the experienced head. And then, well, oh, actually, I suppose Crichton would now come into the starting lineup and Hines would come to 14. So it's not really the end of the world for New South Wales. But, um, yeah, I just put it in, Sam, because I thought that was a really weird thing to be happening in the middle of a series. I would have thought all that stuff would have been ironed out before game one, but I know the I know the uh, head honchos of the NRL are actually under a fair bit of scrutiny about this happening now. I was going to say, so, I think it was a bit of sneaky move by both New South Wales and those two players to keep that pretty hush. Nah, I don't think so. I think well, well, actually, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Why does it come out now? Are Tonga playing a match in the next few months? Yeah, they do. They do a representative round in one of these Origin rounds where everyone just has a week off in the NRL and they play, I think New Zealand play Tonga and then Fiji play Samoa. Are they involved Samoa? in that? Well, yeah, it's there's four nations there. All the 
um, Islander nations come and play. And it, it's awesome. They normally play down at Penrith and they pack it out. But, um, yeah, bizarre. I think it, it's also weird because Origin has never been – there's exceptions everywhere when you look at Origin. Like, Greg Inglis is from Sydney, I'm pretty sure. Billy Moore, the uh, Queenslander, born in Tenerfield. Like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> – I don't really know why they're so pedantic about it now, but – Anyway, well, yeah, that was all I really had for you, the NRL at the moment, Sam. Just like it's pretty much origin time at the moment. Lots of shit by round footy being played. That's about it. And staying in Australia, we'll we'll touch on some AFL really quick. Um, and I know we've been big praises of the Melbourne Footy Club and I guess how strong their, their side is for this year. Um, I'm sure Kev is still a little bit sore after last year's grand final loss to his do- for his doggies. Um, but it seems as though the wheels are falling off. Um, they dropped a game to Fremantle, I believe, which was their first. Um, Sydney the week after, and now they've just lost in the Queen's birthday match to Collingwood. Um, we've now learned that Max Gorn is going to be gone for a month. Um, so we won't see him much in the next month. Um, Kev, what have you made of the Demons, I guess, so far this year, um, but then also over the last three to four weeks? Um, wheels falling off is huge mayo from you, Sam. Um, they're still the favourites to win the Premiership this year in my book. And, um, yeah, obviously to lose three on the trot's no good off, but they won, like, what, the first 10 or nine or something? 17 straight, they, went, they won and gone back to last season. But this year, what are they now? Nine and three? Ten and three. Ten and three, yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's not ideal. Uh, Stephen May um, obviously has got some issues. Like a few things have come out over the last week in terms of what he was saying to people, and he just sounds like a bit of a bit of a grub. Stay off the piss, mate. Like if you're going to treat your teammates like that. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, um, we're, we're thankful that you've pointed out that Max Gorn's out for the month, um, so we won't be seeing much of him for the next month. Um, and, yeah, obviously him and May are huge to their structure, um, but I'm not worried about them long term. I, I think they're still the team to beat, um, but now we've got Brisbane top of the table and um, with a good run into the finals, I reckon. So Brisbane obviously got the week off this week. Does do you see Brisbane beating a Gorn and probably Mayless uh, Melbourne at the MCG in two weeks' time? Uh, I'll be picking Melbourne for that game. Um, I think they'll just they'll come out real hard. They they did on the weekend as well uh, on Monday. Sorry, I thought, but um, like I picked them at the line on Monday. I just thought they would come out hard. Um, Collingwood, to their credit, playing well as well. But, um, yeah, I think that Brisbane have probably cemented themselves as a top three top three team this year. And if they can jag that top two spot, they'll be hard to um, keep out of the grand final, I reckon, unless they play a Western Bulldogs in the elimination final. They don't really like playing them at home. The Lions have also got their share of issues at the moment. Like, you the main one not being able to win a final. Um, well, they – I mean, they – Needed the week off. They had a few guys. Obviously, saw Zorko pick up some kind of hamstring or upper leg injury in that that last. Darcy Gardner's been dealing with a few things. A few other blokes have been dealing with a few things. Um, Hipwood's yet to really 
look like himself. Um, so I think the buy round came at a good time for the Lions. I'm excited to see what they look like after the buy. As you said, Sam, down in uh, in Melbourne against the D's should be a massive a massive game. Yeah, and hopefully uh, hopefully Melbourne can get a crowd out so Christian Petrarca can actually play some football. <laughs> I uh, I have got some breaking news. Matt Kuhneman just been called up to the Australian ODI squad. Oh my god! Yeah, Agar Agar's done his side. Yeah, so Kuhneman up. Uh, is that a like for like replacement? Obviously, just left arm for. I'd be assuming so. Do you reckon he gets a game? No. Nah. Uh, you'd think Swepson will come in um, as the spinner, but I reckon in Test cricket in the subcontinent, you want a left arm ortho. Like hitting stumps. Um, so hopefully, so. Agar's injury isn't too serious. And in the test stuff, they probably would have floated the idea of him batting seven. Kuhneman obviously doesn't bring that with the bat. So if they play three spinners, they'll have to bat nine, 10, 11. Um, but long term, I think you want a left arm ortho for those subcontinent tours. So yeah, I guess he's the, he's the one at the moment. A sock type. Yeah, perfect. I reckon Todd Murphy from Victoria is the next guy, though. I I reckon he looks a serious bowler. Good shout out! Thanks for uh, thanks for the breaking news. Um, elsewhere on our around the world chat, we've watched the Socceroos uh, qualify for the World Cup by the skin of their teeth um, by Andrew Redmayne. Who, gents, this is my take: is Aaron Baines? Do they yeah. look alike? Yeah, that's a good call. Andrew Redbanes. Good. I'm happy to cop that. Absolute <laughs> scenes in the penalty shootout um, against Peru, who were $1.40 favourites going into that contest. So um, for Australia to get up and, and qualify uh, for the World Cup is outstanding. Tom, have you got some thoughts? Yeah, I hate to rain in your parade here, Webb, but this is a bit more who cares cup. <laughs> Soccer? You're kidding, aren't you? I'm, I'm against that uh, simply because the World Cup in any sport, I'll follow. So what? They're going to go to, to the World Cup, and who are they playing against? They're going to get pants by three other nations and fuck off after three games. Well, they've actually got they've got France, Denmark. Oh and, yeah, that'll go well. Tunisia or something, I think. Tunisia, yeah. There's a fair <laughs> shake that they actually. There's a fair <laughs> shake that they actually qualify and finish second in their group to escape. Aren't France and Denmark like some of the best soccer countries in the world? I yeah. So I, Tom, I, I reckon. I could hate soccer more than you do. But when it comes, I think the Soccer World Cup is, or the Football World Cup, as they call it, is one of the greatest sporting events in the world. Um, I was in Amsterdam for the Football World Cup like eight years ago or something, and I've never been in like a city where the atmosphere was better for a sporting event. Um, Like it wasn't being held there. It was just people, everyone was wearing orange and just getting around their team. Um, and we've had some good moments in the World Cup, like historically, you know, like we've had that penalty against Italy, penalty shootout. Timmy um, Cahill against the Netherlands, I reckon, in Rio. That was phenomenal. I remember getting up to watch that game. Yeah, well, must be me then. I'd rather fucking eat the grass in my front lawn than <laughs> for 90 minutes. Fuck me. Yeah, soccer does suck, but I, I agree with Kev. You can't deny, like, some of the scenes in soccer are just like, just scenes that you don't see in any other sport. Um, and, yeah, I, I rated, like, did you see, uh, 
I've, I don't know his name. Tony's his first name, the news presenter from the ABC. Is it Tony Ferguson? I don't know. Youngberry. But he was stuck. He, he was in like a mosh pit of people at, uh, I think it was, might have even been in like in the middle of Melbourne, just carrying on like absolute pork chops Like after that save in the penalty shootout. It's awesome. I, I can always get around Aussies doing well and massive crowds of Aussies getting around our boys. But like you said, Tom, they're probably going to go get dicked anyway. So, Yeah, can't wait, just like every other year. Did you see, apparently the red main bloke won't even be playing in the team. Well, he was the second string goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. So he's no, he's he's got him in. <laughs> he's going to be sitting. See, that's a stitch up because the highlight of their World Cup campaign will be qualifying for the World Cup. <laughs> he should be there for the rest of it. Because that's so, it should, so it should be. We're not a football, we're not, I'll call it soccer nation because we are a football nation. Yeah, we're not a soccer tough. nation. Beautiful. Um, and following on from our discussion last week around the LIV <laughs> Golf League, um, we've obviously seen the conclusion of the first first of seven uh, tournaments of that, which we saw Charles Schwartzel take it out over the, the three rounds with a score of seven under, one by a shot to Henny Duplessis and Brendan Grace. And for those of you that caught last year's podcast, last year, last week's <laughs> podcast, um, each event is being broken down into uh, both singles and team events. Um, and just a little fun stat for you, the top three uh, singles players were actually all on the same team. So um, safe to say that that team won the team aspect of the uh, of the tournament quite convincingly and by 14 shots it was. Mitch, have you got something to say? We'll go into touching what the winnings were for each player um, in the singles event. Charles Schwartzel just took home a cool $5.2 million. Uh, that's Australian. Um, or 5.6 mil Australian for, for taking out that event. And just for a little bit of perspective, Dustin Johnson, who's finished eight, eighth, six shots behind the leader, um, has taken home a cool one mil Australian uh, for finishing eighth out of 48 players. Um, so interesting stats there. And like we touched on last week, some serious money being thrown around in, in that league um, and keen to, keen to watch the last six of those events. Kev, have you, have you kept up to it too much? No, I haven't, to be honest. I've, um, yeah, I've seen the headlines. Obviously, they're getting paid a shitload of money to, to join this league. Is Greg Norman CEO? Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure if he's CEO, but he's definitely like a heavy ambassador or has some sort of responsibility there. Yeah, because I saw Roy McElroy gave him a clip during the week when he won the tournament and he said, you know, that takes me to 21. That's one more than someone won. Um, I think that's a bit rich from Roy. Um, I reckon Craig Norman had a better career than, than McElroy and... I think he should be grateful, you know, in the 80s and 90s when when Norman was at his peak, he probably paved the way in terms of um, what the golfers are getting paid and stuff like that. So he should be thankful to the Shark. But, um, no, not really. haven't been following it. I, I think these types of leagues don't tend to be um, sustainable. Like, I just don't understand how the money works. You know, whoever's funding it. They're going to be making huge losses and it's not going to be more profitable than the PGA, I would have thought. So, um, yeah, good on these players for taking this money in the short term, but uh, I doubt it'll it'll last. Yeah, so the bulk yeah. of the money is coming through the Saudi Arabia government 
um, which are contributing a fair bit to that. But uh, I will also touch base on um, the fact that these players have actually been banned from participating in PGA Tour events. However, due to the PGA not having ownership rights of the four major tournaments, they are still eligible to play in those. So they'll play in these five-plus million-dollar events, um, and now they'll uh, they'll actually go back and play in the major tournaments that are also worth around four to five mil. Well, everyone will play. Everyone will play in that league then. Like they should. I don't understand if you can make this money and then you um, and then you, yeah, and then you can play the majors as well. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't. I oh, also yeah, just got some more breaking news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't sound so excited. <laughs> It's actually come out now that Tupel and Stags are going to be playing for New South Wales uh, as opposed to playing for Tonga. So they've gone back on there. Good on them. I can't stand Katoni Stags. I reckon he looks like a, a subhuman. Um, I can't wait to see him having a little teary at Suncorp when they get dusted 2-1. Yeah, I haven't got anything more to add on that. I just That's just a weird story. I would have thought this shit would be ironed out, especially in Origins. It's not like Origins been happening for two or three years. It's pretty fucking pretty long tradition. I don't get it, but anyway. And finally, for our around the world chat, we've seen Nature Strip go absolutely wild over at Royal Ascot, um, representing Chris Waller and James McDonald has gone over there to to ride which could probably now could be considered the best sprinter in the world. Um, obviously took on an absolute brute from the US um, who was absolutely nowhere to be seen in the running. Um, the strip ended up winning by five plus lengths. And the only thing that got in the way was a, a jockeyless horse. Um, so yeah, good to see that special for Waller. Um, and if you saw his top out that he was wearing at the carnival, um, yeah, you'd respect him even more. So I think just off the back of that, from a from a tip or punting's perspective, it'd be hard to knock Home Affairs, um, who will race early Sunday morning this weekend, um, off the back of the strip, absolutely going wild there at Royal Ascot. So um, keep an eye out for that. I'll pull up a little post on That's that. That's favourite as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's into 280 now <laughs> off the back of that. Sam, do you want to give your boy who was on Nature Strips back a little shout out as well? I know you love him more than life itself. Yeah. How good is he? How good is he? It's like Bruce McAvaney talking about winks. Um, tear comes to me eye every time the big J-Mac comes, to, comes out of my mouth. So, nah, credit to him. Absolutely deserves it. And I hope they fly him to France to ride very elegant the next time she runs. You know what? Like, it's un- they haven't been talking about it enough. He was riding over here in the Stradbroke on Saturday and has gotten over to London. Is it in London, I'm assuming? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, somewhere in. Yeah, well, sorry, he's gone over to Europe to what ride? Maybe seventy-two hours later. Pretty serious effort when you consider jet lag and all that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, and just to mention another horse who's over there as well is Artorius. Uh, not sure when when they're, when Artorius is racing, but uh, keep an eye out for it as well for a little bit of a Australian representation. All right. Now, Schmidt, you obviously took over at the start for your couple of thoughts. I am going to hand over the keys for you now. Uh, your start bench cut, which we are all looking forward to. Yes, yeah, so obviously last time I was lucky enough to join the pod, we did this, um, the debut of the, the start bench and cut. 
and I uh, really enjoyed that. So I thought I'd bring my own little twist to it. So we've got we've got six today. Actually, let's go seven. We've got a bonus one. So I'm going to start with greats. So three absolute legends of their sports, and obviously it's going to be hard to cut one or even bench one, but just a quick one and just a little justification from each of you. So LeBron, Tom Brady, and Tiger Woods. Start with you, Weddy. Uh, oh, yeah, that is hard. Um. Jeez, I'm cutting LeBron. Cutting okay. LeBron, benching Tiger, and starting Brady. Um, I think dominance in the sport from Brady. Tiger's done it for a very long time, as has LeBron, but me probably just being a little bit more of a golf nut, um, I think my heart slides to, to Tiger before it does LeBron. Bugsy? I started Brady as well, but I've flipped the other two. I think... Tiger's off-court, off-court, off-course stuff is a really easy thing to distinguish between the three of them. Three of them have had unreal longevity. have all been at the top of their sport for most of the time. <laughs> most of their time they uh, that they played the game. So, yeah, I'm taking LeBron just because Tiger... He's obviously had a few blunders in his, in his off-course stuff, but, yeah. Um, I'm the same as Mitch. I'm starting starting Brady, uh, benching LeBron and cutting Tiger for the same reason. Just just can't be cheating on your, on your wife. <laughs> no good. So, yeah, for that reason, Tiger gets cut. You guys are just great moral beings, aren't you? <laughs> I, I um, yeah, not that it matters because I'm, I'm – hosting this segment but i'd um i'd start tiger i think greats transcend their sports and he transcends golf more than the other two transcend their respective sports anyway we'll move on to the next one and this could be a a little bit of an interesting one now kev keen to have keen to have your other thoughts so are you cutting uh brady or are you cutting lebron i'm cutting LeBron only because I think that Tom Brady is unanimously the greatest of all time in his sport. I think you got to consider with LeBron though, like coming straight out of high school, $100 million shoe contract before he even played a game in the NBA. Like all that stuff comes into greatness. Oh yeah. I'm not saying he's not great at all. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I guess we're comparing three of the, greatest athletes of our time. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely a tough one, but interesting to see unanimously pick Brady as the top one. I I think if you you limit it to on-field slash court slash course exploits, then Tom Brady is probably the greatest. Um, But, yeah. Anyway, who have a beer with? Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons... Or Marcus Smart. And I really wanted to replace Ben Simmons with Grant Williams over the last <laughs> week. But um, we'll keep it with Ben Simmons just to have a bit of variety. So why don't you start us off, Muggsy? Yeah, so I actually did put I put a fair bit of thought into this one more than any of the other ones you sent us uh, a few weeks ago, Kev. Uh, I'm actually going to have a beer with Kyrie. 
He's going to be my starting. Yeah, there's a few reasons here. We've all been guilty of having 15 beers and then getting into some DMs. Like, can you imagine a DM with Corey Irving? You'd, you'd be talking flat earth stuff. You'd be talking a bit of everything. I'd want to pick his brain just because I think he would be. I'd actually want to test him on how much he actually believes in the shit that he says he believes. Um, I just think I'd have more in, like I'd have more to talk to him about over a beer. Uh, my bench, I've got Marcus Smart. I actually don't think Marcus Smart is like a terrible human being. I just hate the way he plays basketball. And then I'm cutting Simmons. Simmons just seems like a spoiled brat. He, um, I'm not sure whether you guys remember, but the Crown Casino incident a few years ago said that he was getting kicked out of the bar because he was black, a la Claw Nation. <laughs> um, like, that stuff, it just, I don't know. Simmons doesn't sit right with me. He also went a long way into costing me a fantasy flag this year. So I've just got no time for the boat. I think that's the main factor you've considered there. <laughs> but um, what do you got, Dollar? Um, I'll have a beer with Marcus Smart. Like Mitch said, I reckon he seems like a – like when you look at him as a, as a player, like the career he's had I think speaks a lot to his personality. Like he just is a real grinder. Like he wants to get get in there and get things done, do the hard yards. So I reckon he would be a great beer. Um, I'll, I'll, they'll never be with Ben Simmons because um, he's Australian and because he sucks a little bit less than Kyrie Irving. Yeah, no beers for me with Kyrie Irving. I definitely wouldn't call Marcus Smart a good beer. <laughs> very much the best of the worst here. I think he'd be a pretty good beer. I reckon he'd have a pretty good story. I mean, there are a lot of good stories, like obviously Ben, super famous basketball players and whatnot, but I think Smart, like he, I think he'd have a lot of really like insightful things to say. Yeah, look, I'm cutting the bloke that paints his hair the same colour as his team kit. Uh, he's, yeah, he's out for fine. I'll, uh, I'll start Simmons, Australian. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and probably just going to bench Kyrie over the top of Williams as well because he's had more of a um, accolade-filled career and, and would be probably better to talk to. I'm sorry, but you're not Australian when you don't play for your national team and you have an American accent. He's not a fucking Australian. He's a goober. Uh, very good. All right, we'll move on to Australian cities. Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane? Start That's Melbourne, me. bench Sydney, cut Brisbane. Wow. Brisbane oh. fucking sucks. Start Brisbane, bench Melbourne, cut Sydney. Sydney sucks. It takes you 47 years to get anywhere. <laughs> Wedding? Uh, starting Melbourne, absolutely. Sporting capital. Um, benching Brisbane because I'm here and I know where shit is and cutting Sydney because it is ridiculously expensive to do anything. Yeah, I've got the same order as you, I think, Sam. Alrighty. Spirits. Vodka, rum or whiskey? Start vodka, bench whiskey, cut rum. Not a rum fan. Had one of the worst experiences of my life on a night on the rum and just have just really struggled to get back into it since. Um, I don't mind the old, like the old whiskey on the rocks. So that can stay there. But I mean, when I'm out vodka, predominantly my drink of choice. I don't go out. Um, I don't drink spirits. So this is really much of a muchness 
Tom's, Tom's starting Great Northern Original, benching Great Northern Super Crisp <laughs> and cutting Great Northern 0% alcohol. <laughs> um, no, I'll probably start uh, rum and I'll probably bench whiskey. I'll probably cut vodka. I really don't like vodka. When I first turned 18, Mitch took me out to the valley and I got so drunk and I don't think I've been able to drink vodka like really ever since then. So that's Mitch's fault. Do you like, like, do you like cruises? Oh, uh, yeah. Cruises of vodka. I don't really drink cruises, but like ever. Have you not been to a, like a presentation day? <laughs> I just drink my Forex and I'm good. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, good call. All right. Um, I'll start whiskey. I'll bench vodka and I'll cut rum. Very simple, nice. Simple preference reasoning. All righty. We're going to move on to a bit more basketball for you, Tom. Point guard careers, Chris Paul, Jason Kidd, or Steve Nash? Uh, I think this depends on the angle. Actually, well, not really. Um, well, it, yeah, it's whatever angle you want it to be. I'm going to start Steve Nash, um, obviously a two-time MVP. Um, no ring, but Chris Paul also hasn't got a ring, and I'll be, uh, I'll be benching him. Um, and I'll be cutting Jason Kidd. Obviously, won a ring, but I think quite clearly the uh, – well, not quite clearly, but I, th- I would say he's the third best of the three players. Um, but, yeah, that's the order I'll go with for that one. Yeah, I had the same as Tom. I think Chris Paul is probably the best player, but I've got to give Nash credit for his MVPs. Yeah, pretty easy, that one as well. Um, I'll have the same order. Very nice. Shapes. So I only I only buy two flavours of shapes. Um, and then I think there are two or three that I wouldn't even touch if they were free. So I'm very interested to hear this one. Kev, can you... I know you've had, at Groom Street especially, a complicated relationship with shapes. Can you tell us a little story about a housemate of yours? Don't need to be named about it's a notorious story with shapes i remember hearing <laughs> oh i do remember now so shapes as with other types of chips are obviously heavily flavored um i guess <laughs> and you know some of them in particular have a very nice salt salty flavor to them um what we found out was that one of my housemates was actually taking shapes out of the box, licking the seasoning off them and then putting them back in the box because someone someone had one and said, this doesn't have much flavour to it. Can you taste this shape? And I don't recall if I tried it or not, but sure enough, these shapes had been licked and then put back into the box. So... Anyway, that's that's the story for you. Like I said, like Mitch said, you don't need a name, but was there a culprit found? Yes. Oh, yuck. <laughs> what goes... Uh, yeah, anyway, I don't get what goes through someone's mind whilst they're doing that, thinking that that's a normal behaviour. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so I've gone with cheese and bacon, chicken crimpy and pizza. This is piss easy. Oh, you go, Sam. 
starting chicken crimpy, benching cheese and bacon, pizza can fuck out of here. I disagree heavily here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think cheese and bacon is for 12-year-old boys, and that really checks out, Sam. The last time I would have had a cheese and bacon one was when mum was packing me my little lunch boxes with little snack ones in my lunchbox. Uh, start pizza, bench chicken crimpy, cut cheese and bacon. Pizza, pizza's a great shape. I've got a controversial take here. I'm sure I'm just going to get ribbed for it. <laughs> I'm actually going off script for this one. I'll be starting barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a lot. Like, he didn't say what are your top three. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'll be starting barbecue, benching cheese and bacon, and cutting chicken crimpy. And I'll also have pizza in there as well, somewhere in the middle, because I like pizza ones, but chicken crimpy can get in the bin. Hang on. How about, because obviously we've got some differing opinions on this one. So, how, how about we go favorite, second favorite, and least favorite? Okay. So, it'd be favorite barbecue, second favorite cheese and bacon, least favorite. Uh, chicken crimpy and pizza would be third. I'll, that's really that's really weird, Tom. I'll be taking chicken crimpy as my favorite, cheese and bacon as my second favorite, and cheddar as my third favorite. <laughs> I actually, I think the two that I've got here, pizza and chicken crimpy, are probably my top two. And then are we? We're not including like nacho cheese or any of those bullshit. Like we're talking the OG ones. Shapes, legit shapes. Yeah. Barbecue lasts for me. Barbecue's the most overrated shape. No, nah, barbecue's the goat shape. No, terrible shape. Pizza sucks. Kev, what's your... You seem like you're holding back a lot of... No, nah, well, I'm... So I actually had half a box of shapes today um, and they were cheese and bacon flavoured. Um, and I've also got one in my pantry, which was bought by the lovely Sydney... And they're barbecue, and I won't be touching them. No, they suck. I agree. My, my one would be chicken crimpy, my two would be cheese and bacon, and my last would be barbecue. And I feel strongly about that. They're Sorry, the only two flavors that I'd purchase. And then pizza, pizza's, a, pizza's third, but it's a distant third. Like I wouldn't be. I see you, blokes. I'll bring my own box of barbecue shapes. At least then I know I'll eat them off me. <laughs> Yeah, but um, very good. We're going to finish with one extra one. Takeaway, Indian, Chinese, or Italian. So I'm just thinking like a, t- a quick pizza. Yeah. So Italian, Chinese, or Indian. Oh. Let's start with you, Muggsy. Tough <laughs> one. Uh, I'm, I think Italian needs to go number one because a takeaway pizza is the easiest thing to get Indian and Chinese is really hard I think I'm going to go take away Indian as my bench and cut Chinese but I'm I'm saying that because I actually think when you're getting Chinese you need to sit in there you need the lazy Susan in front of you like I like the atmosphere that a Chinese restaurant brings more than an Italian actually Italian restaurants are good as well but I think a pizza is the easiest of these three cuisines to get takeaway off, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it sort of does. That sort of does. I'll give you that. 
there's sense in there somewhere. Um, I'm starting Chinese. Chinese is starting. Italian sits second. Uh, like you said, Mitch, ease of pizza, pasta, whatever you want. Um, and cutting Indian, not because I dislike it, but just because I think it's inferior to the other two. Um, I, I think I'm going to start. I think I'm going to start Italian just. <clears throat> um, I'm going to bench Indian. And for me, Chinese is a pretty easy cut. I'm not a big fan of Chinese. so But I do really like Indian. And I do really like Italian. So they're, they're probably interchangeable. Where do you land there, Kev, out of interest? Um, I'm probably going Italian, Indian, Chinese, just based on ease of access and how often I get those things. But in terms of like taste of the food, I'm probably... Nah, I'm... I'm sticking with that. Yeah. That's it for tonight's podcast. Thanks once again, Commissioner Schmidt, for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you here. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. No worries. Go Dubs.